0: I live right across the street from a coffee shop. It's a small local chain, maybe five locations. And when I moved here a few years ago, I really disliked the place. I didn't like the coffee. I didn't like the signage. I didn't like the pastries. I really didn't like anything about it. But since I'm hopelessly addicted to coffee, eventually convenience prevailed and I began to really like the place. I started recognizing the staff. I started recognizing the customers especially this one older guy in a reliably colorful suit and tie, a beret, and a handlebar mustache. Today on the podcast, I muster the courage to talk to him.
1: Hello. Is the voice fine? Coming out fine? I have an accent, but uh, it doesn't bother anybody from uh, understanding every word, I believe.
0: Good. Are you comfortable?
1: Yes. If I feel more comfortable, I'll fall asleep. (laughs) Uh, are you allowing me to laugh sometimes, to cry or to feel pain, or I have to be like a dummy? <laughs> I, I laugh with an accent. <laughs> okay, continue with your technological uh, manipulation here.
0: Okay, why don't you start by introducing yourself?
1: Uh, my name is Nadav Ben-Eliezer. I was born in Baghdad That's the capital of uh, Iraq, in 1936. I uh, came from a family that my mother and father had 10 children. And uh, I was the eighth uh, child. So my life was really involved with all my brothers and sisters and this big house that we had. And uh, my house was uh, a European house. Uh, the downstairs, in other words, the street level, there were all kind of stores that were, uh, you know, retail stores. And in the summer, we will sleep uh, on the roof. We put, we bring all the beds and uh, everything necessary all the way to the roof because uh, the summer was very, very hot in Baghdad. It was very difficult to sleep inside. We did not have air conditioning. We have what they call a cool it is some kind of a, a wild uh, plant green plant it is you put it between two uh, frames of wood like bamboo and then you you have a drip drip of water all the time on on this uh, kind of grass and then the air that goes through it to the room uh, it is cooler and nicer And then we have fan, of course, inside. But there was no air conditioning at that time.
0: Do you think that house is still there?
1: Yes, I believe that that house is still there.
0: So you think it survived the war?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, You're talking about the Second World War? (laughs) Any war. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That house, I would say, it will stay 200 years or more. And it is only from 1935. Yes, it's a very strong house.
0: So how did you end up in Brooklyn?
1: (laughs) It's a big jump from uh, Baghdad. From Baghdad, I went to Israel. And then when I went to Israel, I was very, very happy about it, no matter how difficult it was, because I kissed the ground and I said, well, this is my real country. If we didn't leave, we would uh, have been great danger. and Some of us would have been killed. In Baghdad, I was uh, in the underground of uh, Zionist movement and I learned Hebrew. I learned a lot about Israel. So when I came there, it was not like a strange land for me. And uh, I went to live in a kibbutz. And uh, after high school, I went to the military, like everybody has to go. And uh, we were uh, protecting this well in the desert. And some terrorists came and they uh, shot at us. And uh, I got a bullet in my thigh, in my left leg, which uh, that bullet is still in inside my bone. And apparently it became part of the bone itself. It's just that about 10 years ago I had an x-ray and uh, for some car accident. And I saw that bullet still inside the bone. I thought it's interesting that I'm carrying in my uh, leg uh, all of these years.
0: So how's your health nowadays otherwise?
1: Uh... In 1977, I started feeling some kind of a numbness in the right side of my body. Eventually, they, they diagnosed me with what they call multiple sclerosis. And in the beginning, it was not so bad. But with time, because uh, the messages from the brain doesn't come in a normal, regular way, the toes and legs and so on of the right side, the, the muscle get weaker. So all the time I had to exercise in order to minimize the damage that happened there. And uh, I have somebody who comes every afternoon, he cleans the place, he does all kind of uh, thing in the house and then he is good uh, in giving massage.
0: And you find that helpful?
1: Very much uh, helpful, yes.
0: And besides the massage, what else is part of your daily routine?
1: I get up in the morning and I go directly to the coffee shop. It's called Connecticut Muffin. I've been going there for about uh, eight years. And I sit in the same corner. I read the same paper. I have the same breakfast. Uh, People know me and I like it there. And then uh, I go... I go and buy some fruits and things. I don't have any kitchen at my apartment. I eat uh, in restaurants around. So uh, I like where I am. Uh, It is uh, very quiet because it's kind of under the street level. And uh, I made basement into a very nice apartment by digging three feet deeper. So now... Uh, the height of it is about nine feet, which is pretty comfortable. Uh, it's not really the idea what I want to do. The idea was me really to find uh, a, a woman that I can live with, and who knows, it might happen. Uh, I must say, uh, this is a difficult subject for me right now. I'm not happy about my, uh, uh, my romantic life. I'm at low point. The problem that I have is I am... Uh, chasing and making a uh, liaison with the young girls who are uh, in their late 20s and so on. So I have this problem that I'm really very attracted, very young girl. I have to be more realistic. So I'm realizing that really, you know, I am, I'm not what I was before. I'm not 40 or 50. I'm in some kind of a stage that uh, really a young girl uh, is not particularly... Uh, Uh, interesting.
0: So why don't you go for women your age?
1: (laughs) It is like asking, why uh, do you like shrimp and you're not uh, eating much uh, lobster or vice versa? You know, uh, I believe that uh, there should be attraction, uh, physical, sexual, and to get along uh, and talk and feel comfortable with each other. If it doesn't happen, there's no necessity where I said, I must go and get married, never mind if this girl uh, is not really uh, uh, anything that uh, fulfill my wishes.
0: You know, I'm surprised to hear that you're at a low point because when I see you at the coffee shop almost every day, you seem very cheerful.
1: Oh, that's interesting. A lot of people feel like, really, I'm kind of happy-go-lucky, I have no worry uh, in my life, and so on. I uh, do that uh, purposely, not uh, not in a phony way, uh, but in a way I convince myself that it could have been worse, and there are people who have it much worse, and what's the sense of being uh, negative? Uh, I do everything to convince myself that things are uh, are going to get better and I should be cheerful and not to waste these uh, days. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a very big uh, dream of mine to have a baby because me not having a baby, I feel like this is the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, minus that I have in my life. And uh, up to two years ago, I believed that it is possible. Now I started to believe that uh, that it is really kind of a, a big dream. But then you never know. It can happen tomorrow that I find the right person, and I do have it. So you never know.
0: Okay, Nadav. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for not asking me uh, how many sexual encounters I
0: have. Oh, I'm not going to talk about that, unless you want to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well... Why would I want to? Just to make everybody jealous? (laughs) I was saying it as a joke, you know?